Genesis Church Podcast. So this is the stage of life I'm in as a parent. I have two college students who are in two totally different states, and I've got a soon-to-be nine-year-old. My, my, my two oldest kids that are in two different states, I was in a conversation this past week with someone who has younger children, and I told him, I said, let me just tell you what I have learned. I thought it was really hard raising kids. Really, like, it's not easy. Let's, let's just be honest if you're a parent. It's really hard raising kids. It's a whole different level raising college students. I didn't know that until I got here. Some of you have been there. Some of you will get there. I'm just telling you, it's a whole different level, right? Like, like, they, like my, my college students want to be equal parts, completely, completely independent, completely independent, and then they are solely still dependent on me, like when I get a phone call, Dad, can you cash at me money for Starbucks today? They want to be completely autonomous in making all their own decisions, whatever they may be, and then they want to call and say, hey, how do you put a stamp on a package to mail it back to me? They want to be mature, and sometimes they're not. They want to be seen as grown up, and sometimes they don't act that way. Now, listen, I'm not ragging just on my kids, okay? I'm a grown adult. Do you know how many times my wife has looked at me and said, oh, that was real mature, honey, right back at me? And so this is something we all all have been through in our life, we're all going through in our life, we're all trying to figure out. We want to be seen as as mature, grown-up adults, responsible, dependent on ourselves, independent of other things, so that we can continue to do the things we want to do in life. Last week, we parked on a passage of Scripture found in Romans chapter 10. This morning, I'm going to give you three passages of Scripture that all connect together all in different books in the New Testament, because I want you to see how the Bible has some common themes and some common foundational things we have got to take in and got to learn. But last week, we looked at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, Paul says this, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a truth many of you have already discovered. This is a truth many of your friends and family members need to know. Everyone who calls upon Jesus will be saved. What God is looking for are that people will actually share it. That are willing to say, here am I, send me. Because Paul says there's a problem. We looked at it last week. But what we didn't look at is there's a second problem. The first problem, he says, is this. How will they call if they don't believe? And how will they believe if they don't hear? And how will they hear unless someone will preach? And how will they preach unless they will say, I will be sent. God is looking around right now in Orlando, around the world, at a bunch of people claiming that they follow him, and he is asking, who will say, here am I, send me? Who's going to do this? This is the problem Paul is saying. Everyone who calls upon Jesus will be saved, but they got to know about him. And people got to be willing to let God use them. But there's a second problem. He says this in verse 16, after he says how beautiful are the feet that carry the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. He closes out and he says, uh, he, he reminds them of a passage of scripture in the Old Testament where God said, all day long I have held out my hands to disobedient and contrary people. 
He says there is a second problem. There are those who have beautiful feet that carry the good news of Jesus. That's one circle of followers of Jesus. I will do what you say, what you're asking me to do. There's another circle of people who are just disobedient to the gospel. I know what you say, I just don't want to do it. I know what it's asking of me, but God, let someone else do that. I know what it is, it is, is teaching me and showing me, but I don't know if I want to apply that. And so what we need to do this morning is we need to lay a foundation for everything we're going to kind of park around this entire year. When it comes to this concept of lay some up, that, that we're talking about lacing up our shoes to have beautiful feet that carry the good news of Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, what does that mean for us? And you have to ask yourself what that means for you. Listen to me, especially in this room. It does not matter your age. There are some of you that you live with this assumption that I am too young. When I become your age, then I'll figure this stuff out. Paul tells Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. So young or old, God wants to use you. There are some of you that say, I'm not qualified. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the credentials. I learned this truth as a young child that God equips those he calls. He will equip you for what he calls you to go do. And there are a bunch of you, you will step back and go, God, that beautiful feet, someone else. I'm not ready. I'm not equipped for this. And he'll equip you. There are some of you that say, well, because of where I'm from or my color of skin or my ethnicity, let me tell you something. The beauty of what God is doing in Genesis Church is on that map in the lobby. Right now, there are over 18 different nations represented in this church showing that God is bringing people from all around the world to one small place for a bigger purpose than all of us. We just have to really understand what it is, what it means, and have to ask ourselves, what circle am I in? What circle am I really in right now as a Jesus follower? Am I willing to carry the good news of the gospel, or am I just going to disobey the gospel? Because you have to ask yourself that question first. And to do that takes maturing, takes growing up a little bit. All the things you want and you desire and you look for at such a young age, and all the things you want to hear from your parents and your teachers and your coaches, it also takes that in your faith. Let me show you the first passage. Peter, a disciple of Jesus, who walked with him, observed him, lived with him side by side for three years, he writes this in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, put away all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. Now he says, do this next, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you might grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. All of a sudden, Paul uses some imagery. I mean, Peter does. Peter says, like a newborn infant, a baby. It comes into this world. That's what happens when you come to Christ. Jesus said it's like being born again. You start over. And when you start over, you begin at the basic foundation principles and levels of what it means to understand salvation in Jesus. He says it's like a baby that needs milk. Now, as a parent, I fully understand this. If you have a younger sibling, and you've been through this, you know what this means. You know what it's like to hold a child that when they need that bottle, they let you know. And you know what it's like 
to lose sleep throughout the night because they keep waking up because they need that bottle. And you know what it's like to do whatever it takes to get them to go back to sleep. Like we did because we got pregnant two months after we got married, which wasn't the plan at all. And so we put chocolate milk in that bottle. We'd put anything we want in that bottle just to get our kid back to sleep. But they crave it. They need it. They're growing up. It nourishes them. And Peter says, when you come to Jesus, like newborn infants, you crave, you long for that spiritual milk, that, that, that beginning stuff. And he says, and then you begin to grow up into salvation. If, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. He, he's, he's quoting King David in the Psalms. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We all know that you do not feed an infant real food. It is a progress. It is something they grow into. We all know that there's that moment where you get to feed them real food. And when you do, it changes things. But when they're coming to this world, it's all simple. It's easy. For some of you, as you came into the faith, listen to me on this, as you came into the faith, that moment where you put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you can remember back to it, when that began, how that began, I don't know what that looked like for you. Maybe you can't in that moment, but you begin to realize, I am giving my life to Jesus. And I don't know what all that means yet. I'm just taking the very basics of what they're giving me and I'm knowing that is way better than what I'm trying to do myself. He says, that, that, that's the elementary principles of the faith that draws us into the salvation of Jesus as we're growing up and learning what it means to take the yoke of Jesus. And so there's some of you, you're still learning. You're trying to figure this out. You're trying to understand it. No one's ever taught it to you. You've never heard it this way. It's never been put in terms where you can take it and receive it and apply it. It's why I love that Paul says, he says, I was saved, I am saved, and I will be saved. What he is not declaring is that you work for salvation. What he is talking about is there's a moment where I found the salvation of Jesus for my life. I was saved. But as I'm growing up and I'm maturing, I'm being saved. There are things I'm finding out about myself, about my life, about these things that I thought I gave it all to God. And then all of a sudden I realize God is looking at me going, yeah, but you didn't give me that. And now you're going to find salvation in that. I'm going to rescue you from that. I'm going to save you from that. So I'm being saved. And one day he will return and he will collect all his people and we will be with him forever. And I will be finally rescued and saved. It's the beauty of what Jesus offers. And so Peter says like malice, deceit, hypocrisy, evil, all these things, they shouldn't exist in you any longer. Doesn't mean it goes away just like that. But you're working through it to realize, yeah, I, I, I'm a hypocrite sometimes, or maybe I've been enticed by evil, or maybe I'm slandering someone, and I need to get rid of that so that I can grow up. Think about a baby. They want milk. They want real food. They want to sit up. They want to crawl. They want to run. They want to drive. They want to travel the world. It's a progression. And the same thing is happening in our faith. We are progressing in our faith in this journey till the day we see Jesus face to face. 
And so some of us are at our starting point. It's just begun. Others of us are beginning to walk and crawl. Some of us can run. Some of us can drive. Some of us can just go. It's the beauty of what God is doing in and through all of us. But we have to ask ourselves, where am I now? And am I willing to take the next step in obedience or I'm going to disobey the gospel? What will that be for me? And what will that look like in my own life? Now, let me just, let me just say this real quick. Here's the hard part about what we're about to evaluate. Because when we talk about maturity and immaturity, there's obviously a bunch of adults and students in this room. And the older we get, or if you came to faith in Christ, older, high school, 20s, when you're married, later in life, no one, no one wants to be called immature. As a matter of fact, if I say that, your defensive mechanisms rise and you're like, why did I even come to church today? Why, why am I watching online? Like, I didn't need to come in and hear this. What we're doing is we're letting the word of God evaluate our life. Because the goal is to find out as much as we can about Jesus and be more like him. So Peter says, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he begins this same concept and this same idea. Now listen to me. He writes to believers, not non-believers. Believers that are wrestling with immorality, sexuality, division. They're saying, hey, I follow this leader. Some are following this leader, which is no more different than today. People are wrestling with immorality, sexuality, division. There are people saying, I follow this political leader. I follow that political leader. And Paul's saying, you follow Jesus. Everything else changes because of that. And so he says to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, but brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people. Why can he not address them? Because as people of the flesh, you are infants in Christ. I want to talk to you as spiritual adults, but I can't because you're still spiritual infants. I got something more for you. Some of you don't realize you're missing out on so much more because you're not willing to grow up in your faith. You're willing to sit back and just be a spiritual infant. He says this, he says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready. Why are you not ready? Because you're still the flesh. You're still living your fleshly way instead of living in the spirit. For there is jealousy and strife among you. And are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? He says, listen, there is spiritual immaturity amongst the believers. They're the ones that just want to drink milk. They're the ones that want to live in their flesh. They're the ones causing division and disruption amongst the believers. He says, but I want you to be spiritually mature. And I want you to eat meat. And I want you to live according to the Spirit of God. And I want you to be unified and on mission. And so you say, well, well, how do we know what that looks like? How do we know if we're growing in spiritual maturity? How do we know what our purpose are? How do we know if we're on the same page? How do we know if we're going to see what God desires of us? I'm going to give you the key in the third passage. The writer in Hebrews writes to a bunch of believers warning them about going against the things of God. 
growing up in your spiritual maturity and taking responsibility for yourself, your actions, your words, all those things that display, preach, and teach who Jesus is and if you belong to him. And so he says this, about this, about how you live, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Some of your translations say stubborn of hearing. Some of your translations say lazy of hearing. Let's just be honest. We've all been there. Right now, for some of you, your spiritual life is full of apathy. Everything you're hearing is just dull. Some of you, you're just stubborn. You want to be in the flesh, not in the spirit. Some of you, it's just laziness. I really don't want to do anything else. And so he says, we have a problem. He says this, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. Now, that's all of us. He's not looking at just teachers, just like he's not looking at preachers in Romans 10 and going, that only belongs to a few people. Everything you do preaches and teaches who you are. Parents, everything you do teaches your children who you are and who you follow. Business leaders, everything you do teaches your employees and your company who you are and who you follow. Students, everyone around you through your life sees your teaching and preaching by what you say, who you hang out with, what you watch, how you entertain yourself, all of it. And he says some of you need to be teachers. Yet, you needed someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God, the teachings, the foundations of the faith. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. He says, listen to me. You are wanting one thing, but you're not even chasing after it. He says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice, what we learn, what we hear, what we talk about, the opportunities we give, the things around you, you put them into practice to distinguish good from evil. Here is the key to spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. It is this word right here, discernment. And it only comes from God. Biblical discernment is not the ability to learn right from wrong. I would tell you this. Every human being knows right from wrong. You don't have to follow Jesus to know right from wrong. There's a bunch of people every day that do things they shouldn't do, and they know what they're doing. They know it wasn't right. It was wrong. Spiritual discernment, listen to me, it is the ability given by God to know the difference between right and almost right. Hear that? Right and almost right. You know what? A lie is not a complete obliteration of the truth. A lie is I take some of the truth and I bend it just enough that it's not true. That's what Satan does every day in your life. He looks at you and goes, listen, this is the truth. If I can make you just lean this way and this non-truth that's almost like the truth and I can suck you in, you will believe it, you will receive it, you will follow it. Spiritual maturity leads to spiritual discernment. It's the ability to know God's way instead of your way. It's the ability to look at your life or look at your friend's life or look at a family member's life and you can see their life and go, that is not the way you need to be headed. 
I'll give you an example because we're all gathered here for church. There are a bunch of you every week that you come. Your initial thought is, why do I really need to be here? What am I going to get out of this? Why do I need to serve? Why should I pray? Why would I ever spend my time in the morning opening up God's word and reading it? I would tell you that is spiritual immaturity because you are not discerning the bigger and better things. Spiritual maturity and spiritual discernment is the ability to see that God is putting a whole bunch of people together in this random place in East Orlando for a purpose bigger than ourselves. Spiritual discernment and maturity is understanding that when I pray, God does listen and God does answer. It may not be how I like, but he is paying attention to me. Spiritual discernment and maturity is opening up the words of God even when you don't feel like it so that you begin to take them in. Let me be honest with you and transparent. There are mornings I wake up and I open God's word, and I sit there and go, what was that? God, I didn't get anything out of that. What did you want me to do that for? And I say disciplined in it. I think of like the, the players yesterday, six, seven, eight-year-olds in 40-degree weather showing up for baseball. Let me tell you, when I woke up yesterday, as cold as it was, I thought, I do not want to go to a baseball field in this weather. But I disciplined myself to go. I watched a bunch of kids disciplined to come. And when I stepped back and saw all these kids and all these instructors and UCF baseball players and pro baseball players and parents, the joy, the overwhelming joy that I was gifted with was because of my ability to overcome my own initial thoughts and responses. And so there's moments when I open God's word, I don't get anything. I'm just gonna be honest with you. And you thought that I should because I'm a pastor. And then I wake up the next day and I still don't get much. And I go, why am I doing this? And I wake up the third day and I still don't get anything. And I'm going, God, what, what, what is this for? And then all of a sudden the fourth day, God reveals something to me and he connects all the dots. And he says, see, I wanted you here the whole time because I had something for you you wouldn't have gotten if you just bailed on me. And there are a lot of us in our spiritual immaturity, that when we look around and we look at things like reading God's word, praying, coming to church, giving, we don't see the bigger picture. When we, when we load up a truck for Straight Street and we tell you to come out and help us feed the homeless of our city, and you go, I've got better things to do. Today, two, two, four teams are playing. Two of them will make the Super Bowl. You realize that there are people gonna be sleeping in this cold weather tonight on the street while you're tucked away in your nice warm house. It's the ability when we say, get on a team, get in a group, get in a men's group, a women's group, a marriage group to say, I need people around me that will pray for me, encourage me, support me, hear me, come alongside of me. I see that. I am mature enough to know I can't do life on my own. My God. Amen. But some of us are still spiritual infants. And I want to let you know that the focus of Christian living is being deeply formed by Christ. And to allow him to deeply form you changes your maturity in your faith. This past week, I went and uh, bought a pair of shoes. Obviously not for me, okay? But I bought these because I was thinking about when I was growing up, the types of shoes I love to have. 
I wanted a fun pair of shoes that were like connected to my favorite TV show, my favorite superhero, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, whatever it was. Like I just, I wanted to have shirts and hats and shoes. And when I was young, I would get these shoes. And one of the coolest things about having shoes like this was that they had this. It's awesome. You just get like Velcro. You get Velcro shoes that make them fun, make them easy. You don't have to do much work. You get to put them on and you just get to go. You're a kid. Go enjoy life. Try to find these in an adult size. You can't. You can't. Because someone along the way realized these are for kids to have fun with. You are now older. You can get normal shoes. You can tie them up. You can lace them up. And you can go forward. But there are a bunch of us in our faith like, this is what we want. Just fun, uh, enjoyable, easy. Strap them on, strap them off, kick them. Like, I just, that's all I want. And God's saying, yeah, but it's time to grow up a little bit. And it's time to mature in your faith. It's time to take some responsibility. Because there's so much more in this faith you've never experienced or known. And and as as the writer in Hebrew is saying, I wanted to give you more, but I couldn't because you're still sipping a spiritual bottle. You're missing out. When, when, when When you have a child, I highly recommend this. The very first experience that is as highly spiritual as it can be is to get them inside a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Whether they can eat the chicken or not, it's just the spiritual atmosphere that they can sit inside of. And so there's this moment, I love it doing with other people's children, where their child's like still in a bottle, but just now starting to kind of like be able to just experience some new tastes. And I buy a cone of that ice dream ice cream cone. I just take my finger and I put it in it and I just put it on the tip of their mouth. And you watch those infants just kind of suck their lip and all of a sudden their eyes get big and they're like, what did I just taste? And then they start kicking and screaming, I want more because they've tasted something more. And there are so many of you in your, in your faith, there's so much more to taste and you're still just sipping a bottle. My God. You're in the basic principles of the faith, and there's so much more. So much more God is wanting to show you and offer you. But it requires us wanting to mature and grow up. I would tell you that one of the most spiritually immature, detrimental things to our faith today are people who are proclaiming to follow Jesus, but can give no answers about Jesus. People who are claiming to follow the God of the Bible that don't know the Bible. This past week, my wife was sharing a story with me, a TikTok story. It went viral. Five million people saw this TikTok post. There's this girl from Florida. She's with family and friends. They're traveling back. And so she looks at this TikTok and she says, listen, there's snow here in North Carolina. I want to go to this place this guy has just posted about. Can we go? And so they all agree, yeah, we'll just, on our trip, we'll stop by, we'll check it out. 
And so she says, listen, let's go to Gastonia, North Carolina. It's about an hour out of our way, but I want to go see the beauty and the snow and the mountains. Let's do this. So they get on the road. They go about an hour out of their way to Gastonia, North Carolina. Anybody ever been to Gastonia, North Carolina? That's not Gastonia, North Carolina. The person with the social media account is famous for taking places in other countries and then attaching them to places in the United States. That's Switzerland. When she got to Gastonia, all she got were broken down gas stations. An hour out of her way because she looked on a screen and someone said, hey, this is Gastonia, North Carolina. Come visit. Took everybody an hour out of the way. I would have lost my mind. I hate traffic. Take me an hour out of the way for something that doesn't exist and we got a whole different spiritual problem. Why, why do I think this is comical yet serious? There are a bunch of people sitting in church right now all across the city and all across this country. Someone has posted something, typed something, blogged about something, YouTube videoed something about how to live for God, how your marriage should look, how your dating life should work, what your sexuality should look like, what your identity is and where it belongs, and you believe that post, not God's word. And it has taken you completely off course. You have bought into a deceptive lie of someone's thoughts, someone's opinions that are not God's, that are just sometimes almost right, but not right. And you've had no ability spiritually to discern how to navigate through that because you've not taken time to grow in your faith and spiritual maturity. And you're like this girl, completely out of the way, in a place completely unknown, and Satan's got you exactly where he wants to have you because you don't have answers for Jesus for your friends who are asking. And now you're in fear, and you're cowering, going, well, then I'm not ready, I'm not equipped, I can't go. And he's going, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm winning. Until someone takes this serious. Jesus said in John chapter 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, you cannot live like God. Apart from the teachings of Jesus, you cannot mature in your faith. Apart from God, you cannot take the gospel to the people desperately in need of it all around you. And when we say the best witness we have is not this, this is an experience we get to come together in. Our spiritual discernment tells us we need it. We should be here together. We shouldn't avoid it. We shouldn't neglect it. We shouldn't bypass it. We need it. But when we come together, it is just a moment for us all to get on the same page, to go back out and carry the gospel of Jesus. But it's just a, just a starting point. Like some of you in your faith, it's just the basic principles. There, there, there was someone yesterday on the baseball field that came up to Pastor Will with their child and said, hey, he's been talking about going to church. I've never been in one. How do I start? 
for 20 minutes, Pastor Paul said this. He said, it's really easy. Just show up tomorrow and walk through the doors. They came in the first service. Just show up, walk through the doors. Have that starting moment. But then as you come and as you're here and as you're listening and you're learning, then it begins to take root inside of you and you begin to practice these things and mature and grow up and your life and your faith and your marriage and your homes and your friendships and your dating and sexuality and immorality and all those things, you begin to see different and know different and respond different and talk different. The very moment you say, I think instead of God says... You have missed a foundational stepping stone for what God wants to do in you and through you. It's not about how many scriptures you know. This is not a scripture memorization contest. It's about how many you live. That's not to say don't learn a bunch. <laughs> Great, I'll learn two and I'll be good. Like I, the people who don't even believe in God, they know one. You know what one they know? Doesn't your Bible say, love God, love people? So don't mess with me. Let me, let me be me. Just love me. They, they at least know one. It's not how many you know in your head. It's how many you live with your life. The more I take in, the more I learn, the more I mature, the more I grow, the more God does in me, the more God does through me. Now, let, let, me, let me close with this. Because spiritual maturity changes the church. We will change and we will see something we have not yet to see. If we this year decide, I'm going on a journey towards spiritual maturity. And it will allow you to see things and think about things way different. So this, this past week on Tuesday, I was texting with Paul over in Scotland. And I said, did you see the news this week? And he said, yeah, I was looking at it. And what we were talking about when he was here, we were sharing a story that in 2007 and 2008, he and I both led a trip with our church in Atlanta to Burkina Faso, Africa. It's a country in West Africa. And we led that trip for two years. And because of that trip, over a decade later, they've now built a school. They've, they've built clean drinking wells for 500 different villages. They've seen an unreached people group that didn't even know anything about God come to God and now start reaching another people group inside this country. But the news broke on Tuesday that a bunch of rebels had come in and they'd overthrown the government, the capital city, and they'd shut everything down. And so there's a picture like a movie of these men in military fatigue on a camera to their country saying, we're now in charge. And they went into the streets and they began to shut the streets down and they shut the airports down and they said, no one's coming in and no one's going out. And so as we were texting, he was saying, yeah, the, the, the great thing is that our missionary partners from America, they're actually in America right now because of COVID. So they're not there, they're safe. Now we could freak out. Like, like I slept in this country on a map under the stars. That could have happened back then. Spiritual discernment is this. We begin to talk. Isn't it incredible that God opened a door in 2007? And for whatever time that door was open, he used us and the people we met to bring the gospel to an unreached people group. And now that door is closed. And you know the report he got through email? He got reports from the pastors 
in the villages over there. And they said, listen, we're okay. And don't worry. We don't need you guys to be here. We understand our mission now. We got this from the inside. Do you get that? How powerful that is? That now they're like, no, we'll carry the good news. You brought it, but we'll keep taking it. Don't worry about it. But the window's shut. And some of you, God is opening a window into a conversation with a coworker or a classmate. He's going to open up a, a door to, to an a, a interaction or a relationship with a neighbor. He's going to open a door for someone on your ball field or your ball team. He's saying, listen, I'm looking at you to have beautiful feet and carry the gospel to them because the door is going to shut. It's only going to be open for a little bit. And I want to use you. God will get it done. I'll find someone else. But I want you to be the one in whom I work through. And those that are spiritually mature understand that. Those who want to kick back and disobey the gospel and settle for spiritual immaturity, you'll just reject it. And I want to tell you, Paul said, I was saved. I'm being saved. I'm growing. I'm learning. I'm maturing. I'm changing. I'm not going to be that same person I was in 10th grade. I'm not going to be that same person I was in college. I'm not going to be that same spouse I was last month. I'm going to let God do something different in me and through me. And I'm going to do it while the door is open for me to move and be used for him to work. Because one day, Paul says, I was saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. God is going to come back and he's going to collect all his people. And they're going to be saved and rescued and be with him forever. And when you have that moment where you walk into a place where you get to see the Son of God, it will not matter how big your house is. It will not matter how many cars you have. It doesn't matter how many pairs of shoes you have to put on your feet. You're going to look over and go, is my family here? Are my children here? Are my grandchildren here? Are my classmates here? Are my coworkers here? Are my ball team members here? Are my, are, are my neighbors here? Is my city here? Are the people I sat beside church here? That's all that's going to matter. And you will only, only see that the more mature you allow God to work in you. Until then, it will be all about you. What you get, what you want, what you want to do. And there's not a person in this room that is not too young or too old to hear that, to evaluate that, and let God change that. Paul said, long for spiritual milk so that you may grow into your salvation. Thank you for tuning into the Genesis Church Podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If you want to connect more with Genesis Church, you can find all of our information at www.genesischurchorlando.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando.